Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Come on, summer has set in. Come on, how many of you feel that humidity? How many of you missed it? All right. Well, it's here for a little while. But, you know, this morning, if you don't know anything, i just give you a little church history. This morning, this morning is Pentecost Sunday. How many of you knew that? How many of you didn't know that? You know, most people don't even know what it is. But really, what Pentecost Sunday is actually the mark of 50 days after the day of Easter. And not only that, it's, it's what happened is we know that the Spirit came upon believers. It, it comforted them. It guided them. It empowered when they were in the, in the upper room, when they went up to the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit fell upon them and empowered them to be what God wanted them to be. And let me just give you the Greek word for 50 is this. How many of you want to know? Pentecost. Wow, see the great shoes you learn here? Well, this morning what I want to do is I don't want to just talk about Pentecost. I believe in Pentecost. I believe that you need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the cross. The cross represents I see my life, and, and compared to what God has done for my life, I need to die to myself. Amen? Amen. And I need to give my total heart, 100%, my whole life. That doesn't mean I won't fail. That doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. That doesn't fit, but that, that gives God his grace to be able to help me and help you to walk through it. But I guess I guarantee you this. He left the Holy Spirit so that not only could we follow the trade of the cross and see the cross and what it, the power it does to deliver us from our sin, but it gives us the power to be overcomers in this world. Amen? Amen. And so this morning, what I want to do is I just want to talk to you about listening and doing. Say it with me, are you listening? All right, okay. Well, we're going to see what you do this morning after you listen. And so this morning, you know, I just want to welcome you back. And we, we're just talking in James. It's practical lessons in James. And we know that James is uh, Jesus' little brother. And he might have a few things he could say. He was actually the pastor in Jerusalem. He also uh, uh, didn't give his life to the, uh, to his, to the Lord till after his, his brother had died and was crucified and rose from the grave, and we learned that believers, we go through trials and temptations. How many of you know we all go through trials? Some of you may be going through a trial right now. Look at sitting next to somebody. Some of you go, well, I'm tempted. Don't, don't go there. But this morning, you know, it isn't, let me just, it isn't, it isn't in trials in, in, in themselves that grow us. It's what we do through the pressure of the trials and the temptation that grow us. And so this doesn't mean that you're, you're far away from God if you've been tempted or if you're going through a trial. Actually, it's a compliment. It's a compliment from God saying, you know what? You're, you're doing something. You're battling something. Well, if you're not battling anything, you're not walking through anything, guess what? I'd be, I'd be concerned. Okay? And so the bottom line, last week's message is falling in love with Jesus is the best way to overcome temptation. That's what we talked about. So this morning, today we're going to talk about listening and doing. And so this morning, I don't know if you know anything about uh, the region in the Bible where it's the Sea of Galilee. But, you know, it's like the Sea of Galilee is a vibrant, it's a healthy sea with a lot of people fishing in it. And they enjoy being in the Sea of Galilee. I can't wait. I've seen pictures of it. But uh, one day when I do go to Israel, I want to see what it looks like. I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the, Gal- I'm going to go to the Sea of Galilee. I promise. I'm going to go to the Dead Sea. My son, Matt, went. I met, made me and Tracy kind of mad. He got to go to Israel before we did. But he brought me back on my desk. I have a rock that came from the Dead Sea, and there's salt all around that, 
that rock. And so I have it on my desk because that's from the Dead Sea. And so, you know, so, but one of the things that the Sea of Galilee is fed, it's literally fed by the Jordan River into the Sea of Galilee. And, and what happened is the Jordan River also, it runs not only in the Jordan River, so the, what happens, it, it runs into the Sea of Galilee. But what happens is, so the Sea of Galilee has a constant source of fresh water coming into it. But in the Jordan also is the outlet. And, and what happens is it releases that water. In other words, the Jordan comes in the Sea of Galilee and the Sea of Galilee is an outlet. Okay? So it, it, it has something flowing in it and something flows out of it. But, you know, the, the incredible thing is the Jordan also runs into the Dead Sea. And if you know anything about the Dead Sea, nothing runs out of the Dead Sea. So everything in the Dead Sea is dead because it has no outlet. And so I believe this in our lives when it says listening and doing, we need to have the, the stream or the waters of the living waters of God flowing in our lives. How many believe that? And then you should be being able to, as it flows in your life, it should flow right out of you. Because, see, I believe this. You've heard me say it before. I'll just say it again. It's like there's an old saying that says, reading without reflecting is like eating without digesting. And I believe there's a lot of spiritually constipated people that are in churches all across America. Because they're feeding themselves, but nothing's coming out of them. And you know what happened, all right? And we're not going there. And so what happens is, as a believer, you should be receiving from God and giving away what you receive. And so this morning... You know, uh, you should be like the Sea of Galilee, receiving and releasing. So the, the question is, I mean, I, I remember a while back when the Mississippi, remember like last year or the year before when the Mississippi ran over and they had to open up the floodgates in the Chaffalai Basin? You remember that? And well, what happens in the, one of the things they said it was good actually for the basin to be flooded because what happened, it got all the mercury levels down so the fish could actually thrive. So it was like a cleaning out. And so what happens, it was a good flush. And some of us needed just a good flush this morning. So this morning, I, I'm, I'm going to be careful what I do say. Sometimes you need to eat prunes to make things pass through you. And so this morning, i just going to, can I just, I'll just say this. I just want permission to be your pastor this morning. Because what I need to do, I need to pastor some of you this morning. Is that all right? And so, Dr. Dr. McCann is in the house, and he's prescribing that you've had a lot of things coming into you, but you're going to need to get a lot of things through you. Amen? And so, if you're spiritually constipated this morning, we're going to give you the Word of God, and that causes you to listen, but also you need to do, it's a spiritual enema. But anyway, let's just go on. Boy, Pastor, that's a bad picture. But today, my goal is that that we learn how to release what you've been given. Is that all right? You know, one of the things I hate uh, being a fisherman or outdoorsman, I hate those things when they say catch and release. That just goes against my catching nature. I mean, when you catch something and you're from South Louisiana, listen, exactly. If it, listen, we will never starve as long as they have ditches in Louisiana. Amen? All right, we'll eat anything, all right? But what happens is, I just don't like that catch and release thing. I'm thinking, well, it's back to the nature. Back to nature, he's going in the frying pan. Anyway, that's the nature, he's coming right here. Anyway, so what, today, let me, let's go to the Word before I get to meddling. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everything should be, everyone should be quick to what? And slow to 
Come on, preach with me. Slow to what? And slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I could stop right there and just preach a whole message on myself. Okay? Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So this morning, what I want to do is, you know, when I think about because what it's trying to say is, hey, man, let's be slow to listen. I mean, slow to speak and quick to listen. You know, if you don't know the times that were going on in the book of James, it it was during the Roman conquest. And what happened, they were taken, and Jerusalem was being ruled by the Romans. That would be like Louisiana being invaded by Russia, and Russia told us what to do. Now, we wouldn't like that, all right? But that would be like it is. And then, there, how many of you know there'd be a lot of complaining? How many of you know there'd be a lot of belly aching? Okay, why? Because we don't want to be, we don't want to be ruled by some government that's oppressive, all right? We're used to freedom, aren't we? Okay, it's okay to speak back, okay? And so what happens is, in this, let me just give you an example. What happens in this is, that he's saying, this is what James is telling everybody in, in Jerusalem. He's saying, guys, quit griping. Quit being cynical. You know what? You need to start listening. You need to be quick to listen because God may be trying to speak to you through all your criticism. All your complaining. You see, what I want to do, I want to talk to you about five steps to listening. I'm going to go through it. So here we go. Number one, be quick to listen. Proverbs says this, fools think their, their way is right, but the wise listens to others. You know, don't be cynical. Don't be quick to complain about your situation. Instead, stop speaking and start listening, and you'll hear God's voice in your trial. That's what he's trying to say. And see, in other words, here it is. The demonstrate, it, it, it's a demonstration of an attitude of humility when you listen. When you learn to listen, you got to be humble. All right? That means you just, I know this. I've had to learn over the years to shut up. You know, because let me just, I got lots of words in me. I was, I was up late one night with a guy, a, a good friend of mine, when we were in London. He goes, man, Bubba McCann, you like to talk. <laughs> it was at 4 o'clock in the morning. We hadn't even gone to bed yet. Man, you can talk. I said, well, it, yeah, my wife's told me that too. <laughs> my kids have told me that too. But I've learned that I need to shut up sometimes and just learn to listen. Because guess what? If you don't listen, you don't know how to help someone go in the course that God's calling them to. If you're just set on way, you're going to share something. Are you hearing me? And so I've learned this is that, you know, that a fool always thinks he's right. But the one who shows real wisdom is the one who listens to advice. Amen? Matthew, it says this, Matthew 13, 23 says, But the seed fall on the good soil, that refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 and 30 times what was sown. God, good soil hears and gains understanding. It's just like people. When you're quick to listen, you gain understanding. But, when, but, but the opposite is true. When you're quick to speak, you skip out on understanding. Does that make sense? So it's not just about the process. It's to understand the process of listening and going where God wants you to go. See, when you position, this is good. When, you position, when we position ourselves to listen, it opens the doors for others to share their heart. Just share their heart. 
You ever have a conversation with someone and say, man, I, I mean, I was going to share my heart with you, but you've kind of taken all the, the time. Let, let me just give you an example. If you've got an issue in your life, look at me, I was going to tell you. It's good to get it off, but then shut up and listen. Thank you for all those amen. I heard one little half amen. Amen. It's okay to, to spiritually vomit on somebody. Is that all right? Okay? But that means let them clean the mess and just listen to what they might have to say because God might have put them in your life to help you, to heal you. Because, see, I believe that the Holy Spirit, when he comes in our lives and he, ch- he begins to do things in us, we got to learn to listen to him. Amen? And so what he wants to do is that sometimes we walk through things and we keep going through the same thing. We keep going through the same dysfunctional wound, the same dysfunctional attitude that we have. And the Holy Spirit's trying to come in there and he's going, hey, 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 let's, let's deal with this. But you're so amazed and overwhelmed by what you're facing at that moment. Anybody here that I'm talking about? That you can't hear the voice of God trying to help you out of your circumstances to give you final victory over that area in your life. I believe that. You see, when you're quick to listen, you gain understanding. It's in listening, you learn what you can't, what you can't do when you're speaking. You know, anybody, somebody go get me a bottle of water. Jenny, go get me a bottle. I'm going to give you an example when he comes back. But anyway, I, I got a good example. Sir. But I, I just know this, is that the second thing is be slow to speak. Proverbs 13.3 says this. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. How many of you have ruined things when you've opened your mouth at times? How many of you have ever, you ever injected your foot in your mouth? Okay, that's what he's saying. See, when you speak before you listen, you set yourself up for disaster. Sometimes my wife will come to me and she'll say something, and it's not even what she wants to talk about, and I go a different vein, and she's going, I wasn't even talking about that. Oh. You know? And, and what happens is, is it, remember, it's hard to take words back. You can throw it to me, man of God. I can catch. Go ahead. Yeah, I got it. Thank you. Okay, I'm thirsty. Thank you. Listen, if this is God and it's living water and he's trying to talk to you, okay, listen to me, and you're talking, God, I do you go, go. How many of you know it's hard to talk when you're drinking? That's where God wants us. God wants us to be. Wow, God, that was awesome. That was really cool. God, 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 no, 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 shut up, Bubba. But God, y'all get the picture? All right. Just came to me, all right? God's good. And see, Proverbs 21, verse 23 says, Watch your tongue. Whoo, come on, Shah. You heard about that, that lady had that, she was a gossip in their church, and she finally just confessed her sin. She came to the altar, and the pastor goes, The altar ain't big enough for that lady's tongue. Anyway, let's go on. He said, Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, <laughs> and you will stay out of trouble. 
Let me ask you, how many times your mouth got you in trouble? See, be slow to speak can actually make a conversation go quicker. <laughs> Husbands, learn to listen. And your conversation that you thought, oh, Lord, it's one of them two-hour ones. Jesus, help me. Just don't say anything. Just learn to listen. Come on. Am I helping you, ladies? Okay. Man, I'm trying to help you, but you're being quiet. But go quicker. And, and, and keep you, it'll keep you out of a lot of trouble. But, you know, here, here's a tip from nature. Listen, I found that this morning just doing a little study. Here's a tip from nature. Your ears aren't made to close, but your mouth is. I told that to Pastor Jamie, so you better give me credit on that one. I said, I'm going to listen to the tape if you give me credit, Eunice. After that, it's yours. But anyway, isn't that true? Your ears are made to stay open, right? But your mouth is designed to what? My wife used to, you know, uh, tell a story to to my boys when they were young, and it's called about the wide mouth frog. Y'all remember that? You ever heard that story? Y'all, how many of you never heard that wide mouth frog? Tracy, why don't you come up here and share the wide mouth frog? Come on, would you come on, baby? It's so sweet. How do you do it? Come on, Tracy. Now, she ain't doing it in front of the church. Uh, basically, what it is about this frog, and he gets caught, and he's holding him. No, it's not it. See, I'm messing it up. Nathan, you want to come share? Basically, the, the whole story is talking about what he likes to eat, you know, likes to like this, asking a snake, that's what, what do you like to eat? You know, and he gets calling this, uh, I like to eat wide mouth frogs. And the frog goes, okay. Anyway, just, that's how it ends. But anyway, it's funny when she does it. Not funny when I do it. My kids love it. Every once in a while they go, Mom, would you tell this story about the wide mouth frog? Anyway. Sorry for embarrassing you, babe. Forgive me. But the second, the third thing is be slow anger. Remember, remember when you used to watch Fred Flintstone and he'd get so angry his face would get red and steam would shoot out of his ears? Marty! Dino! I used to watch it, all right? It's funny, but it's, it's a lot like us. When, 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 they, when we don't listen and we can't listen, it's because we're so Got anger inside of us. Hello. You know, I'll just, it's, it's, I'll just say this. That is one of the things that I, when I look at that scripture, I'm just going to look at it again. Verse 24, it says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Hello. My anger will never produce what God wants to produce in my life or in other people's lives. How many have children? I mean, you know, that sometimes you think, well, if I just let them have it and let them. I've been there. Come on. I'll be honest with you. I'm thinking, I, brother, let me tell you a name. And boys, you get five boys? Come on. I mean, it it's, can be challenging sometimes. And they want to buck up. You know? They've tried their mama. She, anyway, this is, no. But I'm just telling you this. It's, it's like one of the things I, I remember they would just, sometimes they would do stuff and I'd get so angry. I'd call my pastor. Pastor Jacob, Pastor Jacob, so and so did so and so. And I just don't, well, I mean, you go, sorry, Bubba, settle down. And I remember he used to always quote, the anger of man never accomplishes the will of God. I go, oh man, why'd you have to say that? <laughs> why can't I just be angry and get this out of me and then I'd feel better a little bit? That's not the way it works. 
Because so, let me just say, you just add one word, one letter to anger, and you put a D on it, it means danger. And see, I know this, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, it says, don't, and don't sin by letting anger, what? What? Control you. Don't let the sun go down on your anger uh, uh, while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. So it gives him an opportunity to plant a root of bitterness in your heart. And you wake up mad and angry. And sometimes you don't even know why you wake up angry and mad. Because you allow that thing to just to simmer. To simmer. Kind of like a slow burn. Kind of like the, it's a picture of Saul, King Saul. He'd get David and he thought he'd comfort him with his songs, but he was so filled with rage and a root of bitterness. Remember, he'd throw the, the spear at him. He tried to kill him. He'd run him out. I mean, you know, all these different things because he allowed the spirit of bitterness, of anger to get in his heart. So when anger controls you, it is sin. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. And some of you, let me just t- look at me. Some of you, it's time to let go of the foothold. Don't get quiet on me when I start preaching a little bit. Remember, I want to pastor you this morning. Some of you need to stop allowing the spirit of anger to get on you when you're with your mates. That's good preaching, Pastor Bubba. Keep going. Thank you, I will. It's true. How, you know, you can't discipline your children with a spirit of anger. It just doesn't work. Because as they get older, if you walk in that vein, they become what you speak like to them. They contort their face like you. They go, All they're doing is repeating what they saw you do. I mean, I'm talking about. You know, human anger can never produce what God desires. It usually produces something else. It's called destruction. How many of you have ever had an argument with your mate? Come on, they're sitting next to you. Come, Tracy, I'm raising my hand. How many of you gotten angry? How many of you have said things when you were angry that you regret? How many of you made, you've, you've, you've made statements that were just stupid? How many of you, when you walked in that anger and your kids were there and they saw it, and then you wondered why they're fighting in the next room and they're acting just like you? Why? That's what the Bible says. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. When's the last time when you got angry, mama or daddy, and you went to your child and you got on your knees and go? I'll give an example. Luke, I shouldn't have been angry. Will you forgive me? Will you pray that God would help me not be like that? You know what kids are like? Sure, Dad. I can promise you this. There's been many times I've got on my knees before this woman and say, forgive me. 
Because I don't want to model anger. I want to model humility. Even though I walk in anger, and if I allow the foothold of anger to get into my life at times, I've got to be careful that I don't allow the enemy to keep me there and camp out, camp, help me camp out there. Amen? Amen? See, many times you're angry because, you know what, maybe you had a pattern of dysfunction in your own life. When you saw your mom and dad, and that's how they release it. I mean, if you're, if you're raised in dysfunction, you usually become dysfunctional. Hello? I saw a thing on, on Facebook yesterday night, because I made a commitment to my wife I wouldn't watch it all day. But anyway, just, I'm making a confession. But I did. Uh, last night, I was catching up on all my messages. And I told Laura, happy birthday. Where's, Laura, where's Jerry? I saw Jerry. Jerry, I mean, I told Laura, happy birthday. And it got me on. Wow, man, I have 10 people there on Facebook. Want me to res- so I responded. But there was one. It was just sad. And someone posted it. It's about a, it, it was a lady beating her baby for three minutes from one of my friends from, uh, from, uh, from Africa. And it's this lady, this little kid. I mean, it broke my heart. I, watched it. I couldn't watch it more than 30 seconds, and I went to the end to see. And, I mean, she, the little baby's just sitting there in the corner, and, and she just starts throwing stuff at the baby. Then she starts slapping the baby. She throws a pillow on the baby. And then the baby tries to reach out to her, and she slaps the baby's hand and pushes it away. And I felt, my God, what is that baby going to be like when it gets old? That is not the heart of God. God doesn't slap you. You know, someone's, well, if I, if I just perform this way, if I do this, then I'll get favor. With God loves you no matter what you came from. God loves you even in the midst of dysfunction, even in the midst of people walking in anger. God can soften and lift that burden and take that dysfunction out of you. Amen? Amen? That's the good news of the gospel. It doesn't matter how you were treated. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter. But you know what? God set your course that you're going to walk somewhere different and you're not going to be walking in the pattern that people set before you. Let me get back to the man. Number four, get rid of filth and evil in your life. When your life is full of evil and filth, it's hard to hear. It's like wearing earplugs. You just can't hear. I remember before I became saved. How many of you, you heard about the gospel, you just, but you didn't, you weren't hearing it. It wasn't registering. How many of you talking about? And see, Peter, even in Peter, it says, Peter uh, 3, verses 1 and 2 says, In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Oh, pastor, don't go there. <laughs> then even if some refuse to obey good, the good news... Your godly, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent, reverent lives. You see, you, can I just say something? Let me, let me just say this. We know what the scripture, how many of you know Jesus loves the bride? The bride is the church. How many of you know Jesus has a love affair with the church? He's coming back for a bride. And he gives an example. He says, you know, husbands, what do men want? They want respect, right? God said, husband, love your what? 
Wives. Why would God tell us to love our wives? Because can I tell you something? As a man, it don't matter if you're 500 pounds. It don't matter if you hadn't shaved, if you've lost hair. You got hair on your back. I mean, you can tease and say, it don't matter if you look like Chewbacca. You can go, a man can go look in the mirror and go, hey, this is all good, man. This is the way men are. We just, we just love ourselves. It's the truth. But I tell you, if a woman gets one little little wrinkle right there and they go, oh, my God, I need a, a brow lift. No, they just need you to lift them up. Husbands, you just need to love them. Hello? But the man needs respect because that's one of the hardest things for women to do. They respect a guy that got hair on his back. No, I'm not going there, but... And so this is what he's saying. He says, wives, what he's really trying to say, God, you don't have to preach to your husband, ladies, if they're not saved. You know, they say if a man gets saved, more than 85% of all women and their children will follow a man in the church. But there's something in the pride of man. If a woman gets saved first, the percentage is very low that he'll come with her. It's just something in the pride of man. But I, I'll just tell you, what, you don't need to put a track in his lunchbox and send him off to work. You don't, need to see, you don't need to turn on Christian TV before you go to bed. What you need to do is love him. That's what the Bible says. You just honor him with a reverent life. Are y'all with me? 2 Timothy 2.21. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honor honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you in every good work. Purify purity and purifying you qualifies you for the master's use in every good work. You know, you got to separate yourself from sometimes those that are just pollute themselves just with problems all the time. You know, there's some people that come to church and all they can see is problems. They don't see, they're not looking for a solution. They're like, I don't like those, I don't like those glasses Pastor Bubba wears. Well, they're my Duck Dynasty glasses. I don't care what you think. Got my little camouflage. I don't know if the ducks can see them, but I know they're there. I don't like the way he combs his hair. I don't like, I mean, his nose is kind of fat. You know, in those red chairs, that's stupid. And, you know, and, and, and then they got the little four-year thing. And we're all supposed to be nice. Ain't nobody nice. Let me tell you something. If you make yourself an island, no one can be nice. Because all you do is got yourself. I mean, don't hang around. See, God's saying, don't be like those people. He says... Or you'll end up like a garbage can rather than like a precious vessel that's used in the house of the Lord. How many of you want to be used by God? And you know, keep yourself from people like that. And if they do stay like that, just correct them. And you know how you do that? Hey, man, you got problems with Pastor Bubba? Why don't you go talk to him? And if you don't, in the next, if you don't go talk to him in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to tell him. That'll help. That's the way you keep criticism and 
backbiting and all that other stuff. Number, okay, number five. Humbly accept God's word. You have to know that this word is only good for you. His word gives life. It's not just accepting God's word is like saying I do on your wedding day. Hello. You say I do, but you, you're not sure what's going to happen. You're just, I'll just say this. You've got to trust it's going to be good. That's what you got to do. Listen. In two months, it's 30 years that me and Miss Tracy have been married. 30 years. In August. And let me tell you, when I said I do, I knew something was good, but I didn't know it would be that good. I just got to brag a little bit. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a blessed man. Blessed. Blessed, 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 blessed. Whew, let me get the back to preaching. Because my wife, just, she's a godly woman. She's loved me. She might not always like the way I was or things I did and stuff, but she just loved me through those things. And so, you know, you have to accept God's word. You know, the second thing is, is you have to act on what you hear. Whew. James 1, and 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at its face in the mirror and after, and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, that's the word, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. It's kind of like going to look in the mirror. Let's say you're struggling with anorexia. And they have a lot of young girls that, that struggle with that in school. And you're 70 pounds and you're five foot four. But you look in the mirror and you go, man, if I can only lose five more pounds then I'll be healthy see you see yourself a certain way are you hearing what I'm saying but when you surround yourself with people that can love you and care for you and go baby that's not healthy that's not good see as a pastor sometimes my responsibility is that I have to go talk to people and just say hey versus am I your pastor can I just help you and sometimes it works, and other times you don't know what you got till you go and try to correct someone. Hello. Sometimes you have little lambs. They'll cry and thank you, and then sometimes you didn't know, but you had attacked sheep. When you go out to put your hand in the room, <laughs> sheep with fangs. I'm serious. You go, how many you go? I got, I'm related to all of them. Number one, don't fool yourself. Step one, listen to the word. Step two, do what it says. The only people who never fail are those who never try anything new. Look at me. I want to tell you something. I have failed many, many, many times. That doesn't give me permission to keep failing. 
But I know this, when I do fall, God is right there to pick me up. Look at me. You're here this morning, and if we did a survey, we'd say this. How many of you have ever blown it in your life? Everybody. I don't care. Everybody would raise their hand, right? Okay, don't, don't raise your hand. It's okay. Feel good about yourself. But anyway, a little confession is good for the soul, all right? That's all right. But here's the thing. Thank God for Jesus. That in my, my failure, in my falling, in my shortcomings, you know, in, in all the things that I've ever said, all the things that I said I was going to do and I did not do. Thank God for His grace. Thank God for His mercy. To lift me back up and, and you and go, you know what? And God just kisses you and says, I'm your father. Just trust me. Come on. Get up there and go. It was funny this morning. Livia went, went played at her friend's house in Crowley. And they were on. Tracy picked her up. But they had the big old water slide and everything. And this morning she got up real early. And she usually gets, get, sometimes when she gets up early, she'll come sit on my lap when I'm at my desk. And we talk, hug her, kiss her. She's telling me she, she puts on my robe, sits on a leather chair that's in my, in my office at home, and she's just talking to me, and she starts going, Daddy, you know, yesterday when I was on that, that slide, that water slide, someone kicked me in the nose. Oh, baby, I'm sorry. And then, you know, two times when I was sliding down, they had somebody there, and I, I jumped off this, like this little tree thing, and I, and, and I twisted my ankle. Not once, Daddy, but twice. And I go, oh, Livy, I'm so sorry. And after I say, she goes, but it's going to get better. <laughs> you know, it says this. Look at, look at verse 22 again. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. You know, there's a lot of people that allow deception to get in their life. And what happens, if you're not, you're fooling yourself. Doing the Word is experiencing the living Word. For all of you who love to study, 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 here's a a little more revelation. In doing, then you're hearing. Are you hearing? It's not just about that I study, 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 and I read, read, read. It's about doing, doing, doing. Hello? Hello? It's you read something and you go do something. Too many times we tried our way before we try his way and only find out that his way is better than my way. See, we deceive ourselves. You know, sometimes God's telling you to go do something. How many of you ever had that delay course? Well, God tells you to do something, you go, well, but you make excuses. Come on. Oh, well, God, I'll, you know, when, uh, you know, Lord, in the fall. Well, son, that's next year. Or, how many of you had your kids, you tell them to go do something, they try to make a deal with you. And you go, no deal. This is the deal. Okay? And see, what, what, are y'all with me? See, before you try, see, remember, we learned, remember what we learned a few months ago? Delayed obedience is what? Is the same thing as disobedience. 
See, what you got to do is you got to remember what you heard and saw. How many of you have ever had multiple mirrors in your home and from dress, and from dress room to the exit so you can remember how good you look before you leave the house? Come on. Or maybe somebody, well, I really need to do, make some adjustments in the way I look. I remember as a kid, I used to watch my mom put on her makeup. She'd be in there and she'd get that lip stuff and she'd do, I don't know why women do, but they, she'd go like this. It's never like, like if it, if it was a man put on lipstick, which I know there's some that try, but now not me. Anyway, and they, they, I would just be going, they got to come. And then they get the little stick thing, and they go. A man is like this. You look at the mirror, and you go. Nice. <laughs> Come on. When I was a kid, I didn't even look in the mirror. I just went to school. Look, and the Bible's saying, look carefully in the Word. Do what it says. Don't forget. Don't forget it. God, bless, God will bless you for doing it. See, I know this. We were talking, while I was talking about husbands and wives, if you do what the Word says, there's a confidence that happens in you. How many am talking about? It's just like being a husband. The Bible says that a wife is supposed to respect her husband. Remember that? I talked about, the, but part of that respect, listen, I can have, I can go do and study all those things, but if I don't have someone behind me, like my wife, encouraging me, helping me, and she can, if she doesn't respect me, it does something to my confidence. It just shakes my confidence. Hello, men, how many are you talking about? You don't want to admit it. Oh, Pastor, I do have to raise my hand. No, you don't have to. You can stay there in pride. But if you don't raise your hand, that's all good, too. There's something about it. And it's like when you look at the Word and you do the Word, there's a confidence. You see, you, I'll just say this. With ears clogged up and mind made up, and you're all mixed up, and you, I just wrote this, and you don't hear from the Lord... But reading the word with meekness and then obeying it is the best hearing aid there is. See, I can't make up my mind. I, need an, I know what the word says, but I need to go to the Lord and say, God, this is what it says. Now, what do you want me to do? And I'm not leaving this place till you show me what I need to do. Why are we going to Crowley? Because God told us to go to Crowley. So guess what we're doing? Sometimes... I woke up the other morning and go, are we crazy? My God, what was I drinking that day? What are we, what are we? But you know what? I've learned this. When you listen to God, God gives you more opportunity to reach people that are lost, that need him. Psalms 119 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Just hiding God's word. 
recalling God's word. How many times did I read, have I read different stories where men were, were in Japanese captivity during World War II, and they, the guy, they, they were in prison. And the cool thing is in that generation, the great generation, a lot of those guys were raised in church, so they knew scripture. So what they, used to, they used to find a piece of paper, and sometimes they'd write with their own, their own blood. And they would pin little pages together. And what they would do in their prison camp, they would try to remember all the scriptures they learned. And so they had like a little booklet. That, 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 that's what they, that was the word of God that helped them. To give them strength that they didn't have normally in themselves. But they allowed the word of God to strengthen them. That's why the Bible says hide God's word in your heart. So you, Not just that you won't sin against him, but you'll know how to stand when you need to stand for something. And the last thing, let me just say, are y'all with me? Let me bring the bus, bus in the port. James 1, 26 and 20. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. Whew, don't we all love that? And their religion is what? Worthless. I know a lot of people that have got a lot of gabbing, but they don't do much about what they know. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by this world. First thing is control your tongue. Whatever you're critical of, you'll never reach. You just won't. I've heard people being critical of people that are Catholic. You won't reach them if you're critical of them. Critical of Baptists, critical of Pentecostals, critical. The Bible says, Proverbs says this, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. The problem with being deceptive is that you become so good at deceiving that you deceive even yourself sometimes. Have you ever been in that place? Don't develop that ability. Instead, tell the truth and close the gap. Your tongue gives life and death, and you're responsible for your tongue. Put a bridle on it. The second thing is identify the hurting and distress around you. If you look around, you don't have to go far to find people that are in distress. In fact, God will cross your path with orphans and widows and the hurt and broken. I, you know, when I was in London, I met a couple, and they're going to come here in probably November, and it's uh, Becky Murray and Matthew Murray. Great young couple. She's 27 years old. When she was a, a girl in high school, the Lord spoke to her that she was going to open up an orphanage in Africa. And she, you know, she's just a girl. She's just a girl. And let me just say this. Because this girl, like God gave her, she was talking to Brother Keith. This is a cool story. And he said, he, said, he just goes, I'm I just going to tell you this. He was talking to her because she was talking. The Lord gave me this vision. She said, bananas. She goes, bananas? So every time they'd pass a banana truck, they go, it's a banana. They go to the grocery store, banana. What, is, what does that have to do? Well, cool thing is, long story short, they get invited. They, this, this, this person hears about their burden to go start an orphanage in Kenya. Okay. And so they get, she's invited to this house in Florida. And they walk into there and they start sharing the vision with what they're going to do. And guess what happened? It was the guy that owns Chiquita Bananas. 
and wrote them a $50,000 check. And he said, if you need, there's more where that came from too, bananas. <laughs> Jamie was reminding me when he first came, before he moved here, I, I just had, I mean, how I many you know God will make you cross with people that are, there's downcast. I mean, he was saying, remember that time, Pastor Bob? You were, we were trying to find a house, and we were driving around, and you were on Academy Street, and you're waiting at the light, and, and all of a sudden it was kind of raining, and, and everybody was going in this one lady thing, and you just kind of bumped, and you bumped into this lady, and like no wreck or anything, and I told her, hey, you know, and call the police. I mean, it was my fault. I bumped into you, and, and so we pull into Matthew's funeral home, and we're under where it's raining, and we're under there, and I see her son. He's all mad and everything, and he goes back and sits in the chair, and he looks depressed and everything, and, and in the midst of it, the cop goes, hey, there's nothing wrong. Anything you're wrong? No, no, no. I look, and right when we're done, I go to the guy. Jamie reminded me. He goes, hey, man. Are you okay? And the lady starts going, he's depressed all the time. And he this and that. And I go, well, man, come here. I say, I go, hey, man. And I just start sharing with him. And I start praying for him. And God just lifted that burden. And, you know, I'm just, and she came and visited us a couple of times after that, you know? But just prayed and blessed. Can I tell you something? You never know what you're going to run into. You just never know. And the last thing, and I'm done, refuse to be corrupted like this world. Be, refuse to be corrupted by this world. We are, we are to expect to be set apart from this world. But don't confuse that with being unreachable and untouchable. We're, we are separate in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, but we're in the flesh. We're right next door to people that aren't saved, that are walking through things, that walk in despair. You don't know. what what's it. They may have an orphan spirit. They might not be an orphan, but they're orphan. They feel alone. I remember I was at Mike and Sheila's last week, and they had a guy there. He was telling me we were talking about being at Cathedral Carmel, and I remember having a class, and we started talking about where the orphanage was, right there by the old lady of Lourdes. And I used to go there. There used to be a guy named Ronnie. He was an orphan. And I'd go visit, and the nuns were always nice over there. But the nuns took care of the orphans there in Lafayette. They only have one building. It's on the corner there. I think, what was that, West St. Mary? Not, is it St. Mary? Yeah, that, that's, I mean, they have one left, but that used to be a nun factory all right near that loved people. Okay. I mean, that's what, I, that's what I used to call them. I'm sorry. I'm... But they were nice. They were sweet. They were always good to me. They were good to those boys. They're precious ladies. In closing, James, this is what James is telling us. This is what I want to finish. This is how I want to pass. James is telling us that listening, doing, and controlling our tongue are good ways to prove your religion. You ever have said, why, why you kind of wear your religion? It's like, you don't wear it. You are. Listen, if I hang around people that love Jesus, some of that's going to rub off on me. If, I, in, if I'm in the Word enough, some of this Word is going to rub off on me. Hello. And then it's not, it's not just in me, but it becomes a part of me, and then I'm compelled wherever I'm at in whatever situation that God has called me to be light into a place that's very dark. And look at me. I'll just say this. There was people that came in your life when you were walking in darkness. Your thoughts weren't toward God. They were wandering away from God. 
Your emotions were all wrapped up in other things or other people or circumstances. You allowed deception to come and get a grip on your life. You were controlled by other things. You said things with your tongue that you wouldn't even think twice about saying. How many of you I'm talking about? But I want to leave you with this thought. Listening without doing is like trying to ride a bicycle with one pedal. You can do it for a while, but eventually it ain't fun anymore. And that's how some of you are. Trying to ride life. There's no pedal on this. I had a bike one time that had one pedal. You got to be careful you don't get your other toe, your big toes stuck in the spokes if you try it without a pedal on the other side. It hurts. But see, God, look at me. I just want to say this. Your pastor, this is what I want to wrap it all up in. We know what we should be doing. I don't need to preach to you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, I believe this, the Spirit of God has been just walking through these aisles. And this is what he does. He just reminds you what you ought to be doing. Or, look at me, he reminds you of the last thing he told you needed to do, and he's reminding you again. <laughs> it's whether or not, it's, it's nothing to but to do what God's telling you to do. And some of you, listen, it's not how hard you work. It's not what you do. It's not what you sacrifice. Because we think, well, if I sacrifice, if I deny myself, if I do this, then God will love me. Look at me. God loves you right where you're at. He loves you. There's nothing that's going to take that away. How do you know? Because he was willing to go to the cross for you and me. That was his mission. God had one son, and he was a missionary to rescue this world. He was willing to sacrifice. He said, Lord, not my will, Father, but your will be done. And he was, how much does he love us? You've heard it say, well, he was loved us this much. He's willing to extend his hands to reach out and touch every one of us. Not just touch us, but some of us, we need to just let him hug us. How many of you ever walked through something when you were young and you just, you didn't have the words, but you had been hurt or you'd been, something happened to you. Remember? I remember coming sometimes, coming to my house. And I remember just coming, and I mean, just crying. And my mom didn't even say anything. I just, and she just let me cry on her. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And mom's just kind of just, it's okay, baby. I don't know what you did, what happened, but it's okay. We'll find out. Because when you have a love relationship with your mama, confession's coming. How many of you talking about? Because mamas know. How many of you know mamas going to? They look at you in the eye. They smell you a little bit. They can lick you too. They just know. God the Father knows. See, some of us are like, well, you just don't, Pastor, you don't know what I, no, I don't, but God does. And he chose to speak to you. And he chose to demonstrate his love to you. Not on just that one day. Because see, the calendar is dated by the day that Jesus was willing to live the ultimate sacrifice. 2014 years ago. And that love is still true today. 
Because the Bible says a day, a day with the I mean, it's like a thousand years is like a day to the Lord, right? So it's only been like two and a half days since he's been gone. It brings a new perspective, doesn't it? It's fresh on God's heart. It's fresh in his mind. How much he loves you and he cares for you. This morning, I just want to do something different. I want everybody to stand. And I want us to all say this with me. Say, just say this. Raise your hands to heaven and say, Lord Jesus, I come today. I don't want to just be a listener. I want to be a doer. Help me to do everything you want me to do. Now, some of you look at me. Just keep your hands up. That seems overwhelming. No, listen to me. In your strength, it's overwhelming. But in his strength and by his power and through his love and his care for you, the Bible says you can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens you. Now, lift your hands. Father, all over this, this, this building, I just pray right now that you would strengthen, strengthen every person that's here. God, I rebuke every assignment the enemy has on people's minds and their hearts and their lives. God, I come against doubt. I come against confusion. I come against against violation. I come against dysfunction. I come against those things that have been wounded physically, sexually. God, I come against those things that, that try to scar and mar people that are even standing. These are good people that you love. And God, you want to extend your love, your hope, your faith upon people's minds and their hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would get beyond just our way of thinking and give us a revelation of your love, fresh and new this morning. Now, Father, I pray you would just love on your people. Just keep your hands lifted. Just let him love on you. When's the last time? Listen to me. Jesus loves you. I'll say it again. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Some of you never told you were loved. Some of you never felt affection from your parents. Some of you never felt you wanted it. You desired it. He's the father you've always dreamed of having. He loves you. You're his vessel. He's making you into a vessel of honor. You're not a garbage can. The Bible says he sings songs over you. That he's a refuge. You can run to him. That he's a strong tower in the midst of your weakness. He's strong. Father, just love your people. Set them free through your strong, mighty love. Lord, we know the greatest force in the universe your love now Lord I pray as a pastor here I pray you would that people would allow you to step into their lives and you just love them I pray in in Jesus mighty name Amen Amen Come on give the Lord a hand clap